Okay, we're live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have two very special guests. I was just on their show. We recorded a show on August 12th that uh, they asked me to come on and to kind of talk about my background, but also specifically about a great film, Parallax View. And uh, so we did two and a half hour show, talked a long time. Uh, Friday, that was Friday night, the 12th. I think we posted it on the 16th. So you can go back and listen to that. But they're very well informed, and it was really a delight for me to talk with them. And during that conversation, they brought up stuff that I didn't know, like a name of a band called Cradle of Filth, and their connection to maybe some of the stuff I had just studied in Global Death Cult. I, pu- I just published today an older interview I did, I think it was with Charles Moskowitz on Global Death Cult. But it's still kind of popping up. Some of these things are still happening in the more recent events. One of these friends of Nick Fuentes just got arrested who had this strange name, Spick Waffen, but he got the pictures of him. He's sitting with Nick Fuentes. He's got the classic skull bandana around his face. So the kind of iconography is there. It ties into maybe some of these darker things of the ONA. I don't know how deep this guy got, but, you know, I go into that in my book, ONA, Adam Waffen as well. And I had, had, there's some very interesting things about Ed Sheeran's Bad Habits. And how influential it was, I was looking through YouTube today and just saw like little kids are copying this song and not even knowing how sinister uh, the, the the ideas and the ideology behind that song. And so uh, they, like I said, they were had been researching it even when I talked to them back on the 12th. So I'm delighted to have them both back. Their names are Brett Carollo and Thomas Millery of PSYOP Cinema. So Thomas and Brett, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for having us, William. We really appreciate it. Awesome. So for people, awesome. People who hadn't heard our last show, can you talk a little bit about your backgrounds, how you got started and interested in PSYOP cinema, your kind of work on the Joker, and then why you looked into Sheeran and Bring Me the Horizon? Sure. So with PSYOP cinema, we we analyze primarily Hollywood-related PSYOPs, its connections to the occult and broader forms of mass manipulation. And, you know, at least speaking for myself, really got into this just because of you know, a lot of years of studying uh, you know, the, the paranormal and being interested in things like psychedelia, alt-spirituality and the occult from a more positive perspective and also being a pop culture junkie. And then eventually just kind of you know, getting to you know, see the dark side of these things. Um, you know, that was kind of my journey. And uh, so it led me to this present focus. And so Brett and I, we tend to do just very close readings of pop culture to expose the actual messaging behind these things and um with uh, what going to talk about with uh, with ed sheeran and some related artists like bring me the horizon uh you know it was actually william it was uh listening to uh, one of your interviews on another podcast where you mentioned the bad habits uh music video and its possible connections to uh 09a symbolism and i was i was very familiar with the order of nine angles and uh i i was not really familiar too much with sheeran though i've looked into him a lot but i did know bring me the horizons music and just kind of going down that rabbit hole just led me to just uh, to really being stunned with how close some of these connections are. So that's uh, that's my entryway into the conversation. And Brett, what would you like to add? Yeah, I would just say um, for me, the inspiration for the show really came from you know, observing this uh, isomorphism or this parallel between MK Ultra mind control experiments and the alleged successor Monarch program. 
and sort of collective mind control, cultural engineering operations going on um, out of Hollywood. And I mean, <clears throat> like Thomas, you know, I have a background in sort of like mystic, esoteric um, exploration. And um, I, I've since converted to Orthodox uh, Christianity, but that and being a huge film buff, uh, just honed my sort of perception to pick up on a lot of these things. And it's your work along with people like, you know, Jay Dyer and Jason Horsley that uh, were kind of the leads for me. Um, so uh, we're really honored to, you know, to be on the show. Thanks. Great. And, and uh, so you guys have been doing some of these inquiries into the cinema and it's very interesting process where, at least for me, like you don't really know what you're watching. Like back in the day when I was watching these films, they really are worth going through again. And looking at what the influence is, what the esotericism is, some of these ideologies, the ideas that they're putting across, what they're trying to maybe initiate you into. There's a lot of things going on. And I think a lot of that is going on with Ed Sheeran's Bad Habits and this Bring Me the Horizon and this other band, this band Cradle of Filth. And I, yeah, and we can go into that. But what, do, what kind of have you guys learned about Sheeran, Bring Me the Horizon and Cradle of Filth? Well, I've got a ton of information on them to get through, uh, and we probably won't get through all of it in um, you know, in this interview. So I, I hope people will look for other content that we'll do on this in the future. Maybe Brett and I will do uh, a premium episode on our Patreon or something. But to start with, uh, with you know, with Ed Sheeran, um, so the rabbit hole goes really deep here, but this is very important because he really is you know, one of the very highest selling music artists in the world. Uh, you know, this this English singer-songwriter and his style typically falls in the realm of, you know, just pop music or folk pop. You know, I think one of his albums was the world's best-selling album of 2017. Spotify named him the most streamed artist of the 2010s, so really couldn't possibly be a bigger deal. Um, and this particular song, Bad Habits, it was uh, an immense commercial success, a single from, I think, his fifth studio album, which was called Equals. And then the music video. So with that, you know, Sharon cites his love of uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is a partial inspiration for what goes on there. Um, and, you know, so, you know, the, with the music video, so Sheeran starts out in this beauty salon. And he's like a vampire dressed in this pink suit. Then he's like flying around the city at night with other vampiric monstrous figures, cause, you know, causing havoc. And there's really notable imagery, you know, uh, you know, him giving a smiley face balloon to a vampire child, him grabbing this figure that crashes out of a car's windshield and seeing it's a doppelganger of him, which then deflates. You know, or really notably at the end of the video, the sun rises and the rest of the vampires, they either disintegrate or flee from the sunlight, whereas the sunlight just makes Ed, turns back into his normal milquetoast pop star self, just kind of strumming the guitar in daylight. So um, I, uh, I, I have a lot of info about what um, about how Sheeran might be specifically connected to some of this really bad stuff vis-a-vis -vis some of these other artists like Cradle of Filth or Bring Me the Horizon. But um, Brett, I had asked you to watch the, this music video uh, you know, and to kind of analyze it. So, Brett, what did what what really stood out to you uh, here in Bad Habits? Before I keep going, well, I mean, I, I'm kind of like I'm kind of like William. I'm a little bit behind with pop culture these days, but I, I do follow this sort of uh, symbology, the sort of complex of symbols around the the monarch. Uh, thing, the, which is really in the, in the music business is kind of coextensive with the whole Illuminati conspiracy and all the related symbols and, and tropes. And I mean, that's just in spades here. It's all over the place. Of course, there's butterflies on the cover of the album. And I'm like, what for every associated with every song of the album? Um, the director of the video, if you look into it, I mean, he's an Illuminati <clears throat> hack. 
Um, the, you know, Sheeran is seen at the beginning with his eyes blocked out by the beauty salon, whatever that thing they put over your head is. But you'll notice the women beside him, it doesn't block their vision. So clearly they're, they're pointing toward that, that uh, eye covering trope. It's covering the mouth or covering the eyes, the forms of, of submission and perception control that are part of this monarch uh, symbology. The one eye thing comes up, the eye patch girl. Um, of course, the keys hanging off the, the guy's leather jacket, I thought was, you know, potentially, you know, monarchy. So, um, I mean, there's some other stuff I have, but like the first thing is just the, the kind of monarch stuff, um, which is in Sheeran and Bring Me the Horizon and, and all their videos. It's, it's pretty obvious. Wow. I didn't know that. I, I missed a lot of that stuff. So the monarch is the butterfly, monarch, butterfly. That was one of the earlier projects, right? Artichoke, monarch, something like that. So they, they've integrated that in there wow yeah <clears throat> and what what else did you did you find anything else in that kind of stuff i mean i do think it's interesting like the name of the band bring me the horizon and then at the end of the song the sun comes over the horizon i think that's what they're referencing in that name would you agree with me that they're talking about being out at night and the sun coming up that yeah, that's my impression. Anything? I don't have a, uh, I don't have an exact reference uh, for Oliver Sykes or Bring Me the Horizon talking about the meaning behind their name, but you know that's that's certainly the general tone being evoked by their by their themes and uh, artwork and things like that. Yes. And so the guy who directed this was what Dave Myers, <clears throat> I guess was his name. So you you think that guy has done a lot of uh, kind of occult type stuff or a lot of commercials, right? Are you familiar with his name, either one of you, Brett? But did you did you look at that guy? He's on. You're on mute. Yeah, sorry, I was just having a little bit of trouble with the button. I was trying to look up uh, Myers. Yeah, so Myers fits the profile of a lot of uh, people who do this sort of monarch stuff. Yeah, he's he's uh, he, um, has done a lot of commercials for major corporations. Has done a lot of music videos for I guess what we call IMSAs or what I think Thomas coined that term, Illuminati mind slave you know, artists. Um, so he just fits that profile. A lot of the projects, I'm just taking a glance at it now. Um, and they, these two these two bands, by the way, Bring Me the Horizon and Sharon, these two groups were together at the British Music Awards singing this song too. And you can watch that video too. So there's a lot going on there. I think they have a lot of the same imagery in that performance. Uh, yeah, they really do. Just like all the balloons rising with the smiley faces and, and things like that. It's very similar uh, to what's being evoked by the music video. And that's really important, too. Just that the fact that Sheeran invites uh, Bring Me the Horizon to perform that song with him, because it's just really not obvious that, that would happen just because both because Sheeran is just such a much, much bigger name than these guys. I mean, Sheeran is one of the most famous musicians in the world and these guys are like popular in their you know kind of subculture but not not nearly in the same league and then that they do like typically historically have done much heavier music than the pop music Sharon does so he's really really elevating their profile by inviting them to do this song at the Brit Awards and then uh recording a new version of the song with them a new studio version they actually re-recorded it you know to be released as a single as a remix uh, so that that collaboration, I think, is is really key. And oh, I, I did find in my notes then uh, why that they are called Bring Me the Horizon. I guess it's uh, a slight change from the end of uh, the movie Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. I guess Jack Sparrow's, I don't remember, it's been a long time since I saw the movie, but I guess at the end he says, now bring me that horizon. So I guess they took their name from that. So probably plenty of iffy things spiritually going on with those movies. Right. So I guess, right. Well, Johnny, we can get into Johnny Depp. I mean, that's a whole nother Oh, story. yeah, yeah, obviously. Like Johnny, yeah. And apparently his character is supposed to be kind of based on a chaos magician. 
So if you watch that that show and Jack Sparrow, he's like always causing problems, showing up at weird things. You know, it's kind of a clownishy thing. But if you there's a there's definitely a subtext to that character if you watch it in those films. So. Yeah, clownish, and that could be playing back into the the Joker archetype, which is something right. Brett and I have been thinking a lot about. With our our current series isn't on a particular director as as our usual style. Our current series is just kind of revolving around uh, just like the endless chain of psyops and feedback loops between history and culture, uh, revolving around uh, the the character of the Joker and the associated archetype. So I think that uh, I think that Jack Sparrow kind of can fit into that. This, this long lineage that we're looking at of, of anti-hero and kind of trickster characters, kind of mentally ill heroes of different kinds that kind of terminate in, uh, in different betrayals of, of the Joker. So there's that. But then I, I, I guess before I go deep into Bring the Horizon, I really want to, uh, to explain Cradle of Filth because uh, they're just such an important piece of this puzzle. So they're, uh, they're this English band that you could broadly classify as extreme metal, mostly associated with gothic and black metal sounds. And uh, their vocalist and lyricist, who goes by Danny Filth, has stated in uh, plenty of interviews, they don't hide it, that in the, the early days of the band, they were very influenced by the writings and doctrines of the Order of Nine Angles. So in their debut album in 94, The Principle of Evil Made Flesh, you can see these really specific O9A references. The album opener is this instrumental that builds to the whispered phrase, Agioso Satanas. Uh, they have another track there, The Black Goddess Rises. Uh, on a track called Of Mist and Midnight Skies. Uh, they they have lyrics, please poison me, send eight causal instincts crawling my brain, take wow. me mistress until perversion is fed. So this very targeted reference to the a-causal realm of the dark gods that Onine believes in. Uh, and, and of course, unsurprisingly, Cradle Filth has talked about deep admiration for Aleister Crowley. And in one interview, I think Filth mentioned uh, in being interested in writings associated with the, necro with the Necronomicon, and with Mesopotamian mythology. So I'm guessing he's a fan of Lavenda's Simon uh, Necronomicon too. And um, where these guys tie into Sheeran is that um, I think just last year, if I recall correctly, uh, Ed Sheeran gives this interview where he says, well, maybe I want to do a death metal album sometime because I grew up listening to bands like Slipknot and like Cradle of Filth. So, uh, so Sheeran uh, like grows up listening to these guys who are openly promoting O9A ideology and uh, Sheeran and Filth also have a connection to both being residents of Suffolk in England. Um, I think in 2020, uh, Filth got the kind of tongue-in-cheek uh, tongue question in an interview of whether he would go to a local Sheeran show. And he was like, no, I'd probably kill him. But then like after Sheeran starts talking about liking Cradle Filth's music, they kind of, the, the Cradle Filth guys change their tune, start talking about, uh, you know, maybe you could do good metal music. Uh, uh, he's actually a really good guitarist, they say about Sheeran. They say uh, maybe his metal music could be called Dracula's Castle on a Hill, which is a reference to the popular Sheeran song, Castle on a Hill. And ever since then, Cradle of Filth, of all people, and Ed Sheeran have been talking about uh, doing this future collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. That is amazing. I mean, and, and somebody sent me he, this one guy, his name, one of uh, Danny, the lead singer, had a, a Reddit thing, Ask Me Anything. Somebody asked him whether the ONA influenced it, and he responded... We were influenced in part by their satanic doctrine back in the day. It felt more real than the pseudo-occult stuff going around back then. So it's kind of like what ONA says about themselves, too, is that they're not, you know, fake pseudo-people. But, uh, wow. So that's a lot. So Cradle of Filth really has this. And so you say that they're very influential in that kind of very death metal group. Is that correct? 
Yeah, I would say that in more um, more extreme metal uh, culture, which is very different than the kind of sub you know uh, subculture um, of like metalcore and stuff like that. That Bring Me the Horizon is associated with Cradle of Filth is a pretty is a pretty well known band. So yeah, more extreme metal, more gothic metal type of things. Um, it was funny. They were actually very prominently referenced in the British sitcom uh, in one episode of the British sitcom, uh, The IT Crowd. And so they got a lot of exposure with that. And I happened to be like watching that show with my wife uh, when I was doing some of the Sheeran research. So kind of a synchronicity there. So yeah, uh, Cradle of Filth isn't going to be known to your average normie, but you have celebrities uh, like Sheeran and others kind of being fan. Like I think Kanye West at one point was spotted wearing uh, a, you know a piece of Cradle of Filth merchandise. So they crossed over pretty dramatically. Oh, amazing. So they've got Crowley uh, connections. And then somebody also sent me something that the guitarist Paul Ryan is in a band called Nine Covens. And he's working with this agency group that includes Bring Me the Horizon. So there's kind of a corporate connection there. But really what was stunning to me is this something that I came across, came across my research with the ONA is that this group, Nine Covens, you can look this up on YouTube right now, has a song called White Star Exception. And that is a specific Nexian name. Really, I think it was reputed to be the, the current or former, very former head of the ONA uh, known as Chloe. So they make a connection to her in 2012, which is uh, really something else. So, uh, yeah, so the connection with Sheeran and then that whole thing with did what kind of uh, cultism or things did you see when you looked into Bring Me the Horizon? Did you come across anything? Because I did. Well, yeah, with Bring Me the Horizon, I think for the maybe about 10 years now, they use the universal hexagram uh, just very prominently uh, that kind of shows up in a bunch of their merchandise, bunch of their, their music videos. So there's that. Um, I think that uh, that with. Um, oh, so then the other big thing, just to kind of give the punchline right up front, is that uh, Oliver Sykes, the frontman for Bring Me the Horizon, has also said, oh, I was really uh, a big fan of Cradle of Filth as a kid as well. Oh, uh, I think he says that he um, was really drawn to their infamous T-shirt that says uh, that that says Jesus is a C-U-N-T. So like that was like a piece of Cradle of Filth merchandise that they kind of use for shock value. So um, so both Sharon and Oliver Sykes uh, like are uh, are big into this O9A band, and um, and I think that Sykes has a clothing line that he's done a collaboration with Cradle of Filth there. So there's a big connection. Uh, they had Danny Filth. Um, on one of their albums, guesting on a song, and so, uh, so like kind of a triangulation of uh, of existing or possible collaborations between these three very different artists: Cradle of Filth, Ed Sheeran, and Bring Me the Horizon. Otherwise, with um, otherwise with with Sykes, he's kind of interesting in a sad way. You know, just goes from being this more angsty, edgy atheist type in his public presentation and lyrics to go drifting into more woo-woo, spiritual but not religious uh, you know, stuff and how he talks about his worldview over the last few years. Um, I, I think that uh, you know, he said that he stayed um, at a Hare Krishna ashram in 2020, when, like, coming out of kind of being in a very dark place psychologically because of the pandemic. So he went there with his wife, um, who uh, um, is from Brazil, and he said that, that was a really important uh, period of spiritual rehab for him. And then uh, just last year, I think he and his wife get dental surgeries to give them the permanent appearance of having vampire fangs. So wow. that's pretty crazy. Uh, I, you know, I, uh, there's the fact that their song Don't Go off of their 2010 album, which is called There Is a Hell. Believe me, I've seen it. There is a heaven. Let's keep it a secret. He alludes to this disturbing murder case 
from 2004, I mean, he directly references the details of this murder case, wherein this 17-year-old boy, Terry Lee Hurst, was savagely murdered on a camping trip by three other teenagers uh, who and uh, who wielded sights, and they like left him with over 50 wounds. And I don't think that motive was ever officially established in this murder. Um, but you know, John Sodden, the ringleader of these three teenage murderers, had like a history of making violent threats. Uh, you know, in a way, some details about the case are vaguely remind me of Damian Eccles. Uh, and so that this murder is really prominently referenced in this song. And then there's a lot of, a lot of rumors online that, uh, I, that Sodden is Oliver Sykes' cousin. Some articles say this, which I haven't been able to confirm, but still I think it's uh, interesting and darkly suggestive the, you know, that there's this uh, prominent lyrical reference to this, uh, this brutal murder of a teenager. Wow, interesting. Terry Lee Hurst, H-U-R-S-T, right? Yeah. Gotcha, wow. So that was something that happened in... The UK that the murder happened in 2004. Gotcha. And then I think six years later, uh, Oliver Sykes references some of the details uh, of the death uh, in this song, Don't Go. And they have other kind of really suspicious, uh, you know, term things that uh, kind of look like they were illuminated by the ONA nihilist blues, drown, a lot of water themes in the ONA. So I didn't really go into it that deep, but there's definitely. There's definitely something there with that that whole band and this guy and their interest in these kind of deaths. Wow. Yeah, there's absolutely something really unsettling going on there. And um, yeah, I, I have a, a lot more to say about uh, about Sheeran. I think it gets even darker uh, and more suggestive than we've already uh, gotten to with him. Okay. But kind of uh, while we're on Bringing the Horizon, I guess um, I, I had Brett you know, watch a bunch of their music videos because like, that's maybe the most obvious thing about them is that the music videos just wall-to-wall monarch mind control themes just their whole career you know they've switched up styles a bunch of times you know they were like deathcore then metalcore now kind of like electronic uh you know and uh, like pop influenced alt rock uh but like throughout all of that their um the the susness of their of their music videos and imagery has stayed pretty constant so brett since i know you have some notes on these things i was um Wondering if you could maybe get into some of what you have on. Maybe let's start with the video for Alligator Blood. That one I think is really telling. Yeah, and I was going to say as well that Sheeran, who's dressed like the Joker in that Bad Habits uh, video, you know, his being a vampire, it because you, I mean, you gave me this batch of music videos from Bring Me the Horizon and Sheeran to watch. And so when I'm looking at Sheeran as a vampire, I mean, I'm immediately reminded of all like every one of the Bring Me the Horizon videos, I think, about. A half dozen of them they're um uh, they're monsters uh they're they, they they're possessed and they turn into horror movie wow uh, so monsters. they're all they're all like that so that's probably they might have drew, drawn inspiration for bad habits from the bring me the horizon videos do you think that's possible i think it's possible in as much as they're all uh drawing from the same the same sources that i okay. think that sharon has had suspicious things about him for a while and then bad habits was just the, maybe the most blatant iteration of that, you know, especially with you have when you have like, even um, I think the the video on YouTube, the official video, it's not like you know, a full music video, but just like an image for their uh, you know their, the remix with Bring Me the Horizon. You have Oliver Sykes and um, and Ed Sheeran kind of clasping hands with uh, you know just like Sheeran uh, looking you know very like bright and normal and poppy, and uh, Sykes looking like his normal angsty more metal self and like surrounded by bats. You almost have this marriage of kind of like dark and light sides of pop culture coming together to bring this like really intense 
monarch programming that might also be 09A influenced. So I don't know if they were directly influenced by, uh, by you know, by Bring Me the Horizon, but Bring Me the Horizon is directly influenced by the kind of, uh, you know, monarch and occult stuff that I think Sharon uh, is uh, is more subtly trying wow. to see in the culture. Now this one, this alligator blood, I just yeah. saw the same mask from Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. Think, yeah. Yeah. So it's and I think what a lot of the and, and possibly even partially the Sharon video on this and a lot of them are about what I'll just call for shorthand, the primary Illuminati initiation ritual wow. that is just referenced endlessly. Right. By the rap uh, musicians and stuff. I mean, they're rap singers. I mean, it's like you um, to sort of break it. I mean, it's it's just the Rosemary's Baby thing. right? You have to sell your soul <laughs> for fame. It's the crossroads sort of initiation. Um, ritual and so the guy in the mat now that's the Tom that's the mask that Tom Cruise wears in Eyes Wide Shut which is a giveaway because that mask is this really fancy looking mask and all the other ones are, are wearing these I guess stark and plainer looking masks so it's oh, kind of a giveaway and so he's the initiate he's the person being initiated now the guy in the beak mask who's really the hierophant if you read the tarot cards and you follow how the tarot oh. cards are telling you about the video and stuff he's the one that has the, the the mask that covers his whole face and the beak he's like the hierophant who initiates him and it's an alligator and then he's turning into an alligator, alligator blood, turning into a monster, ritual, demonic, you know, possession, selling your soul. Um, there's Wizard of Oz stuff at the end of this. It's it's just, yeah, it's, it's just mind control through through. Opens with like a temple portico, the checkerboard floor. All of this is about initiation. There's I don't know if that's a cube of Saturn or what's going Isn't on there. Isn't that the same cube they use from Hellraiser, the movie Hellraiser? Hellraiser? Ah, that's that's probably the reference. And one more one more thing on alligator. Parker's director, a known occultist too. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Oh no, the director Stuart Birchall. Uh, not a lot of credits, but one of the things he's done is this short called Triskelion, which just look at the IMDb description. It's about Alice in Wonderland and its relation to mind control and dissociate. I mean, it's so these these people are, are monarch through and through. Oh, that's incredible. So, so, so this has got all the imagery and all that stuff, right? So he's going transformed. This is kind of the guy in the chair, right? He bows down to him. It's all there. Wow, it's crazy. So yeah, I'll get a there's the, there's the blinded, his the blindfold, right? So like the initiatory blindfold, like you see at the beginning of the uh, Ed Sheeran video. Right. So the blindfold is that whole symbol, right? And I think that's very Masonic. Like they blindfold the first guy. But he's kind of being initiated into vampirism, right? So that the vampirism is very much through and through ONA literature and ONA stuff, the, the whole idea of like blood. But also the bat is a very important symbol. I can't remember what the name they use in the ONA offhand. It's in my book, but it's they use a specific thing because the bat bat sees at night, right? It flies at night, sees. So among the occult, like when you're out at night, before the sun comes up, you see at night. What other videos did you see, Brett? Did you just watch this one, Alligator Blood? Well, I'll mention two more. I mean, I watched about a half dozen, but the other two that are just, um, <laughs> well, okay, so Mantra and Parasite Eve. Um, I mean, Mantra opens exactly the same way, you know, in a checkerboard floor, chess piece, pe chess piece people like running in this hypnotic a circle that's a monarch you know trope spinning and and rotating to create dissociation and yeah the whole thing is is a psychological assault it's about it's about the the lead singer is a cult leader um and 
the um the, his listeners are the mind are, are are the are the members of the cold and it's making these like almost explicit parallels right if you can read the language between micro and macro mind control between media mind control and cults and i mean it's all it's all sort of there um the joke I, at the beginning of the video was probably the most interesting part too where that joker figure is jumping out of a screen has like a violent uh, like this venom mouth that bursts through the screen while these people, the people watching it are convulsing. They're oh, like, right, right. they're like clockwork orange mind control victims, like going into convulsions from the, the flicker raid and everything. It's just, it's a symbol. So the Joker thing here is like a symbol for psychic invasion and assault through media, you know, and right before that you see a rainbow with the word freedom, right? You think you're getting freedom, but it's not, this is what I call red pill programming, right? Where they, right. they try to, it's double psychology or that they try to make you obey by telling you it's edgy and it's wrong. And it's, and I think that's part of what these, these people are initiated into. Like they find out, well, they want to be rebels or whatever They they buy into the lies of the culture. And then they're shown that the real rebels, the real people challenging God are these, um, you know, elite level Satanists who run the the industry. Wow, I had, I had no idea there was that much stuff in this thing. Here, just one more really weird thing out of this is that you see uh -huh. this like ghost version of Coco the Clown, which is from a 1933 Betty Boop Snow White cartoon, and I just mentioned that because that same ghost shows up in this recent fourth psyop group, uh, this psychological operations. Um, uh, army unit out of Fort Bragg that ran this weird commercial, like supposedly a recruitment video called Ghost of the Machine, which is really creepy. People should check it out. And it's been in that. And they've also, the same figure has been in Ghost Main uh, and who else? In, in a Drake video, all very recently. And there's just not a lot of uses of this I can track down. But you see, Bring Me the Horizon, Drake, Ghost Main, all kind of Illuminati uh, folks. And then it's used recently, this, this year, in fact, in this uh, psychological operations recruitment ad. So wow. a, lot, a lot of really creepy stuff here. And that was like a famous, that that video was like a famous cartoon from Germany or something, right? That ghost video where it's dancing. I can't seem to find it here. No, it's a Cat Calloway it's routine. It's American. It's American. Okay. But it's from like 1933. Like it goes way back. I wish I could find it. Anyway. But I mean, look at this. This is the occult stuff. Like, like because I know the occult, like I can tell some of the stuff. They have this whole thing, like the cult group, and then the channel is Cult Eleven or whatever TV Eleven. Like this is just rattling. And he's being reborn or something, probably. Where's this cult group? I just missed it. Shoot. Yeah, this is dark. I didn't know it was this dark. Wow. Hey, if you can see these guys, look, that's all kind of like mind control imagery, too. You can go see them in Georgia. They're try they're in the United States right now. People should probably be, if they come to town, you should probably find out. Wow. What, else, what other video did you see? So you saw well, Montra? What's the other one? Yeah, well, the most, to me, just like openly psychotic, like openly satanic, like psychological assault on humanity is the Parasite Eve video. Uh, which is just this really horrifying uh, display of uh, Luciferian transhumanism with this strong kind of like Whitley Strieber, you know, transcendentalism, I, I'll call it, uh, where, you know, like interdimensional and probably transtemporal aliens um, are, the, are these supposed to be these manifestations of our own spiritually evolved stuff. So it's like Satanism meets that sort of UFO cult stuff meets Illuminati 
hypnotic blinking lights the whole way through. Notice the red and the blue, this, this technique that was probably pioneered by Dario Argento. Um, oh, that wow. gets used a lot in kind of psyopy stuff. And then you see these, like, you got more like uh, uh, eyes wide shut, like sex orgy sort of stuff in this Rothschild-like palace with checkerboard floors. There's a screaming girl running away, drugged people. Um, and then you have this... Am I looking at the right? Yeah, that's in Parasite. Yeah, I'm, 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 sometimes I think I'm confusing some of these videos. There's a lot of overlapping. Overlap, right. Can you explain uh, who Dario Argento is for people who don't know? Um, Dario Argento was an Italian. I mean, he's still alive, right? I mean, he's an Italian director who pioneered this very visionary form of cinema. Also made giallo films and kind of Italian shock films, uh, uh, like in the style of Baba and people like that. But he's probably the greatest of the Italian visionary um, horror directors. His daughter is a G. Argento. I mean, she's caught up in a lot of conspiracy stuff. There's there's a lot of it like the last, if not the the last or the former are very close to um, Anthony Bourdain, right? Like before he right. disappeared. Um, but yeah, so, but he was at Sinistra that he did. That's his most famous work. And his, his work oh, was kind Suspiria. of... Suspiria, thank you. Uh, Suspiria in that, but his work was also based upon the Italian Pulp Fiction type stuff that we would get in kind of like a five and 10 dime, well, back in the day. Like a cheap, cheap paperback stuff, I think is what he some of his works on if i remember correctly so but yeah so wow so he's borrowing that stuff mm. um yeah so i mean i still what's it this one this is kind of the one this is the one that like for me looks like total ona stuff nihilus blues featuring grimes right yeah i was gonna uh, say this one is really important uh because you know grimes is just one of the most suspect people like on, on, on the planet, just uh, you know, her song from 2018, We Appreciate Power is very, very telling of um, I think some pretty high level uh, elite ideology, but you know, so she's this experimental uh, pop artist with this very witchy sci-fi aesthetic and the mother of two of uh, Elon Musk kids. But you know, she's around, you know, you're in deep sci territory. She's like this really apt example of this new breed of kind of female experimental pop artists, you know, who seem to be very blatant imsas, as I would call them. And so with this song, so with uh, so with this song, Nihilist Blues, they you know, she collaborates with Bring Me to Horizon because they've been mutual admirers for a long time. I don't think that they were in touch, but they 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 both were apparently like big fans of the other's work. Where Grimes says uh, a few, you know, a while back now that Bring Me to Horizon is the uh is the future of rock music or that their sound is like is, is going to be the kind of rock music of the future and bring me the horizon say that they're big fans as well uh so yeah grinds you know is like very very influenced by like genesis Peorge and a lot of other really suspect stuff but with that aforementioned track we appreciate power was basically openly declares that she's this uh worshiper of like feminine malign ai goddess stuff and basically like nick land stuff with like a feminist witchy touch so she's well, that, dick the land for people who don't know that's all george bataille type of uh, ona influence yes. things too so that's what i am absolutely absolutely so with so on this track with niles blues you have this this transhumanist communist feminist occultist ai worshiper and like they're, they're like ostensibly the lyrics are just about kind of existential millennial malaise but you know you have moments in the song with like rhymes whispering uh, light as a feather stiff as a board sink into the floor things like that and within this music video there's a lot of pseudo subliminal 
imagery, uh, you know, like uh, with all the flashing and stuff, there's moments of, I think, artwork of Eve giving the adult of the apple to Adam. There's a car crash. Uh, there's a flash of the character Psycho Mantis, an antagonist from the video game franchise Metal Gear. And I was tellingly about, I think, both Bring Me the Horizon and, and uh, Grimes, Psycho Mantis is, uh, as a character, a psychic capable of telepathy and psychokinesis, uh, part of an elite U.S. Army Special Forces Black Ops group called Foxhound. And uh, Oliver Sykes from Bring Me the Horizon is a big fan of those games and those villains in particular. He wears like a patch for Foxhound in their Shadow Moses music video. Uh, so and uh, so this character who's flashed briefly in this video for Nihilist Blues, he's known for this iconic fourth wall breaking sequence from uh, the Metal Gear games where he proves his psychic abilities by first vibrating the player's controller and then reading off the other games that the player has, has played from their memory card. So it's this purposeful distortion of this blending wow. of fact and fiction uh, that's like really classic kind of a cult MK Ultra Culture playbook stuff. So no surprise that Grimes and Bring Me the Horizon would be into that. So yeah. Oh, and with this song, it makes me think there's a there's kind of a, an interaction with Musk himself, and um, and uh, in Bring Me the Horizon, where uh, Oliver Sykes' uh, clothing line uh, creates a creates a jacket that says "We Feed the Simulation," and then uh, this is I think back in 2018, and then Musk tweets a picture of that jacket and just you know says in a tweet just just the name just says "Bring Me the Horizon." And then Sykes replies to Musk saying, oh, I hope you like the jacket. You inspired it. So I guess like Sykes is probably interested in Musk's really silly, interesting, like neo-gnostic simulation theory stuff. And Grimes is almost certainly the connection point there. I'm sure she got Elon into their music because she would have recorded this collaboration with them by that time. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. There it is. We feed the simulation. Oily Sykes releases the Unlocks inspired drop dead clothing jacket. This is crazy, man. I had is no it? idea there were that many crypt connections. Oh, yeah. I, I It stunned me when I started researching Shira and just how much stuff it, it led to. And then, um, since uh, you know, I, I, I know we don't have uh, a ton of time left, I, there's a couple other you know, major points of things that really uh, kind of creep me out about Shira and that I, that I really want to get into. Um, there's other stuff about Bring Me the Horizon as well, but we could, you know, uh, maybe talk about that. At, at I have another 20 minutes, so okay. whatever you can fit in the next 20 minutes is good. All right, let me see what I can do. So I guess another connection that I would make since, you know, the, the Joker's come up, a, you know, a couple times is that you'll see articles, you know, correctly noting that the Bad Habits music video has a few shots in it that are kind of reminiscent of, uh, of scene, or very reminiscent of scenes from uh, the 2019 film Joker, which Brett and I are thinking about a lot and talking about a lot on our show right now. Um, and where that's, you know, that's really interesting to me. I think of, of something that um, I think of something that Chris Knowles uh, has said, you know, several times about how like the dominant archetypes in our culture are the siren uh, and then the Joker or trickster. And I think that's very, I think that's very perceptive. And with, uh, with the Joker connection with Sheeran. So, you know, he's kind of, uh, he's kind of dressed like uh, like the like the Walking Phoenix Joker. He's kind of acting sometimes like the Heath Ledger Joker, you know, in the video. But then there's another song on that same album, Equals, the same one as the, you know that has bad habits, called uh, "The Joker and the Queen." You know about his relationship with his wife. Then there was a uh, version of that song with Taylor Swift, uh, you know, kind of doing the duet part with him. Uh, but you know, so Sharon then very much is casting himself uh, in the role of Joker, with the counterpart being. The queen, uh, whose uh, his wife's name is Cherry Seaborn, 
And I don't have time to get into the whole uh, Elizabeth Fraser Cocteau Twins kind of a secret son Chris Knowles rabbit hole, which goes on forever. But I'll just say for those who know, the name Cherry Seaborn has some pretty deep significance there if you want to dip your toes more into synchromysticism. Um, oh, and when I messaged Knowles about this, uh, some of this stuff, he, he pointed out that uh, James Holmes of the Dark Knight Rises Aurora shooting mm -hmm. uh, kind of looks like Ed Sheeran and there's kind of a resemblance there. But uh, to bring this back to the Order of Nine Angles, you know, remember that their two most important dark gods are the male Satan uh, and then the female Baphomet, who's kind of like right. this dark earth goddess figure who's like Satan's bride and mother. And so um, and so the Joker is kind of an iteration, I would say, of, uh, you know, of, of the state of the more Satan role there. And then those things usually have the counterpart in pop culture of this really malign dark goddess stuff. So the fact that Sharon does, you know, the Joker and the Queen, I think, is very suggestive. But what really, really catches my eye with him is the fact that um, that he has this cousin, Laura Sheeran, who is not very well known at all. This Irish cousin of uh, you know of Ed, and she's uh, also uh, a musician. Does more kind of you know more more ethereal music than, uh, than 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 Ed does. It's not pop music in the same way. But so she says she used to play music with Ed a lot before he got signed. Though you can find videos on, um, on YouTube, a couple of them playing together. But her stuff is really um, much more dark and atmospheric. But one of her first releases is this EP called To the Depths, really obscure stuff. And then her first full album is called The Lust of Pig and the Fresh Blood. And the accompanying tone, artworks, lyrics are basically what you'd expect out of a name like that. Like the interest in the occult and the dark and the and spiritual darkness is way, way more foregrounded with her. And she's uh and she's Sharon's cousin. And what's I think even more interesting there is that there's the big inspiration for Laura's uh, work and worldview is her mother, Kiva Sheeran. And there's only I think one article online that talks about this woman, which is it's a profile of Laura where she talks about this, explains that her mother had alternative ideas and was interested in alternative medicine leading to what she says were false rumors in their rural Irish town that, uh, that, that she, Laura's mother was a witch casting spells on people. And so her admiration for her mother and the impact of these childhood events lead Laura Sheeran in 2016 to direct this theatrical piece about Bridget Cleary, known as the last witch burned in, uh, in Ireland. And so Laura describes how Cleary is brutally murdered by her husband, father and others in the late 19th century because they believed her to be a witch or a changeling. So Laura creates this theatrical piece called Changeling, which of course really stands out to me given, you know, shape-shifting and all that being such, such uh, intensely important themes for 09A. Right. So Laura Sheeran creates what she says is this dark immersive piece exploring, I'm quoting, themes of the supernatural, the feminine and the occult using music, visuals, dance and spoken word and so, um, uh, end of the quote, and Laura then talks a lot about this theme of women being oppressed by false accusations of dark supernatural power. I don't know if there's an actual, any like video of the, of, of this piece available, but there is a trailer for Laura Shearing's, uh, Changeling on YouTube, where, uh, you can hear this voiceover, um, uh, from the actress portraying Bridget Cleary, who's at first despondent over her husband's accusations of her being a witch, but then this couple minute trailer ends with her going over and over again. Am I a witch? Am I a witch? Maybe I am. So same double, wow. you know, in, in the feminine register as you get with like Eccles and the West Memphis three case where it's like, on one hand, it's like, oh, you know, rural people, they're so superstitious, super superstitious and prejudiced. 
they have all these wild accusations that innocent people who are just a bit different, you know, combined with like in the Eccles case, like, but actually the occult is good and we should all respect Eccles as a Crowian guru. Um, and then uh, this is kind of like a logical, like that Robert Eggers film, The Witch, and presumably this piece right. of which I haven't seen, where it's basically like religious accusations of witchcraft are paranoid and irrational. And that's why it's a great thing for women to embrace Satan and become powerful witches. <laughs> it's incredible that how similar the kind of terminology or the same themes run through these different uh, witch events or occult events, and even in different countries. It's the same kind of terminology. There was a case that was brought to my attention that will blow people's minds. And I think ties into Eccles and a lot of these kind of witch people, but it's the case in, in Scotland of Luke Mitchell. If people have time, look into that case. It's like uh, all of the stuff around the West Memphis Three happened in Scotland. It was really one of the more brutal cases, if not the most brutal case in Scottish criminal history, at least according to other people. There's a good documentary about that case, but uh, I was, it was like watching the same arguments. People, you know, you don't understand. And this kid was into the occult. It was incredible. But these connections of this band and stuff like that are really off the charts there. It's really remarkable. This person, oh, I'm looking for Changeling right now. And what was it? Was it, was it under a different band? Because I'm looking at this, it says like in common culture, under this Bridget Cleary, it oh, says so, um, yeah. Changeling by Irish rock band, the Riptide Movement. I think that's something maybe different just because it's probably just different riffs on the same story of this last witch like killed in, uh, in Ireland. Uh, I think maybe if you look up Laura Sheeran's YouTube channel, I think that there's this trailer trailer on there. Yep. Yep. That's it. Oh, and pretty much any of this woman, Laura Sheeran's videos, are just really creepy. So if people want to see Ed Sheeran's family, then check out those videos. Wow. Wow. Like, this one's mild by comparison of how some suggestive some of these other ones are on there. There's a video called Spellbook. Yeah, really, really not subtle. It's no wonder that, um, yeah, it's, yeah, no wonder that, uh, yeah, Sheeran doesn't talk about this woman very much. I'm um, not surprised. This is all kind of, you know, you're in the rustic uh, forest doing strange things looking like the, the what is it the horn god or something like that yeah oh and I, I uh i i see someone in the chat had mentioned um extinction rebellion uh and uh, so let me just say something briefly i wasn't going to say about um about uh bring me the horizon in this particular case but on this same album post human survival horror is that crazy parasite music video like all the songs uh you know like basically oliver sykes just is talking about uh you know, his hatred for Trump and Boris Johnson and his undying support for Greta Thunberg and Extinction Rebellion and, and BLM and George Floyd and Antifa. So this massive edgelord who's so anti-human and into like all this dark occult stuff, also just pledging his loyalty to like every just woke social justice cause of the day um, and doing this anti-human eco-programming. So Bring Me the Horizon is on it when it comes to like when wow. it comes to that kind of deep pop agenda. Wow, that's incredible too. Wow. All right. So one, I guess. Please, oh, what was that? No, please continue. Uh, so one thing that I have to make sure that I get out about Sharon, now that I've uh, primed everybody with all this other stuff. So I think this will land a bit, a little bit harder now, but uh, is creepy in light of all the other stuff. But for years now on his large estate in Suffolk, known as Sheeranville, uh, you know, he's got just a, a huge estate there. He's been for years 
Ed Sheeran has been building a private chapel. And he says it will be an interfaith space for prayer and contemplation with symbols that people of all different faiths uh, can interpret personally. And its roof is going to be shaped like a leaf. And it will be built on the east edge of the property with stained glass windows specifically designed to let in the sunrise because Sheeran says that the sunrise is relevant to both Abrahamic religions and Eastern faiths and to more ecologically oriented modern philosophy. And so for years, he's been building this chapel. And then more recently, Sheeran has been building a crypt underneath the chapel. So I won't openly speculate about the things going on that people can look this up. There's plenty of news stories about this chapel and crypt and stuff, but the sunrise piece I think is really important because remember the Bad Habits music video, Sheeran's an evil vampire all through the night and then the sunrise turns him back into his wholesome, normal mainstream pop star image. So yeah, William, do you wanna, do you wanna you know, tell everyone why uh, the fact that Sheeran wants to have sunlight for the sunrise coming in is so important? No, why don't you? Sure, sure. Well, there's um, there's this Onine uh, ritual um, that uh, I forget what the exact name of it is, but it involves uh, basically lying on the ground for the entirety of the night, uh, where you cannot move and you cannot uh, you cannot fall asleep, and so you just have to lie there entirely until the sunrise, and then to record in detail everything that you everything you felt, and you can read Onine accounts online of. Um, uh, of people being initiated you know, who do that. And so there's that, there's the vampire theme, there's the sunrise thing like with the bad habits video that I just mentioned. Um, there's, the, the, there's the kind of resonance with bring me the horizon, all of that. But the, so I think just the fact that Sheeran it has built uh, and also the fact kind of neat, the generic spirituality, you know, that, oh, it's, it's not any particular religion, but there's uh, a leaf shape for, you know, for the roof. So the, the allusions to nature religion, kind of the Druidry and witchcraft background stuff that I was that's being hinted at with like Laura Sheeran and her mother and all of that. You, you mentioned in our show some of the druidic resonances, you know, with 09A spirituality. So all of that together, I think is um, horrifically unsettling. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's amazing. These are super popular people. Ed Sheeran is like one of the top 10 musicians in the world. Or something. In the world. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And this is what's going on. And that Bria, bring me the horizon. It's a septenary way. That is a, something like you go the path. I think it's the third path. You're supposed to kill, you know, select an offer on the fifth one. But the third one is to go out at night, lie down and not move. And if you don't achieve it, just try and try again. So you're constantly doing that. I think the second one is like an extreme athletic challenge. And then the third is to do that for 12 hours. Yeah. From sundown to sunup. Um, yeah, that's amazing. Your research is excellent, man. First rate. So we're at the 50 minute mark. Is there anything you guys would like to add or anything I missed before we wrap it up and please tell people where they can find PSYOP Cinema. So I've been talking for a while, Brett, do you have anything to add? <clears throat> well, no, it was a great, it was a great discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations uh, on your research. I mean, I don't know. Final thought. I, I take it that, you know, bring me the horizon is uh, more obviously more obscure than Sharon. I don't know how underground it is, but I mean, there's a similar thing that goes on in the movie industry where, and I, and I mean, you know, I've been sort of like, Thomas even asked me about this one of our premium episodes recently. What are these B movies that are so revelatory often of, of wider cultural psyops? Like, you know, why there? Like, why, why is it more there sometimes than in the, the bigger stuff? And then why, what are these relationships, you know, 
um, uh, between them. But I mean, there's a complex relationship in these industries between their sort of underworlds. And I mean, the underworld in the movies goes all the way down to like the porn industry, right? You know, so, so if you watch a movie like The Lost Highway by David by David Lynch, who then, you know, goes on to make Mulholland is very obsessed with the dynamics of Hollywood and power and mind control. And that, that's very much a monarch movie. So the same, I think there's something similar going on in the music industry too. And what's going on with Sheeran and for me, the horizon strikes me from the outside as, you know, signaling what that relationship is sort of like initiating uh, those in the public who, who are interested anymore. But you know, now it's like that stuff, I think, can be more degenerate in, a, in its way. It can be darker because in the past, I mean, the average person would know who, you know, Snoop Dogg was or Dr. Dre or Marilyn Manson. But like whoever the hit people and like the really degenerate people are today, they're going to reach their audience uh, by in droves. Right. But the wrong people, the people that they don't want to see their work are not going to going to see it's so like the compartmentalization of the culture is i think allowing for more of this to get revealed i think maybe that's part of the explanation for why there's more monarch stuff why everything in the music industry now is like illuminati and and monarch and half the world just doesn't care and the other most of the other half just can't bring themselves to believe what it really is right yeah absolutely and i i really think like i said earlier the triangulation of cradle of filth bring me the horizon and ed sheeran is very telling because these very different styles different levels of cultural prominence all coming from the same incredibly dark source and you know very few people you know in terms of normies will hear cradle of filth's album specifically just talking about 09a doctrines but you know everybody everybody's going to in a grocery store or whatever hear bad habits playing and like these this this has an effect this really is an assault on humanity and assault on people's souls and sanity and just it's low grade conditioning just all the time. And I think it's really important that people be aware of how direct these, uh, you know, these connections can be. Um, and I, I'll, I'll say that there's just so much more material on uh, Bring Me the Horizon and Sheeran that I want to talk about at some point. So Brett and I will uh, either on our main feed or uh, on our Patreon do an episode about that sometime soon. So Or come back here. You're well, uh, open invite to go part two. Anytime. Oh, excellent. Yeah, maybe we should just do a part two here because, uh, yeah, I think that, um, yeah, so much of this connects, obviously, with, with your research, William. Um, oh, and <laughs> let me just say, just today, uh, when after I had already long ago collected all this info on Sheeran, I find out today that the high school Ed Sheeran went to and met his wife at is Thomas Mills High School. And so given that my name is Thomas Millery, a little synchronicity startled me a little wow, bit. But these things do pop up when you go deep into this this kind of research. So um, the fact that he mentions White Star Exception, this guy Cradle of Filth and A-Cause was so specific to to the ONA. I've, I've, I've read a lot in my life and have not come across the use of that term in other places. Maybe I'm missing certain philosophical references or something like that, but those are yeah, all pretty you know, nice specific. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so thank you so much, William, for having us on. Uh, we hope to have you back on Psy Cinema sometime before long yeah. too. Uh, we've got a lot more that we want to ask you about. And I really do hope your listeners check out our content. So we've got two Joker episodes up so far with plenty more related content coming very similar, just incredibly uh, dense collection of uh, uh, you know of research uh, in the same way as came up with Sheeran, which is of course part of the whole thing. So our Twitter is at Cinema Psyop. Our Patreon is Patreon.com/slash/PsyopCinema, and there, we have regular bonus content on there. Most notably, Brett's series on Monarch films, where he does the same kind of uh, of, of analysis as he 
turn towards these music videos. I think people really like that. So yeah, we're, we're still a relatively new podcast, but I, I like to think that we bring something unique to the table in the world of conspiracy researchers. So I really hope that people listen to the interview we did of you on our show and just listen to and share our work in general. So thanks so I much. I agree with that. Yeah, no, my pleasure. Thank you. And you guys done like the groundwork. You're looking into the things and doing detail-oriented research. So it's always worthwhile. I will put links to your Twitter and your Patreon in the show notes and links to PSYOP Cinema. Where's the best place to, do you think to listen to your podcast? Well, people uh, can listen to it on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or just uh, or just on Spreaker. It's available on all three, so uh, people have options to listen to them. Awesome. And again, it's Thomas Millery and Brett. Sorry, do you want to say something, Brett, before I wrap up? Oh, I just wanted to say I just wanted to say thanks, uh, William. And I it just occurred to me a movie. I don't know if you've seen it, but a great movie if you wanted to come back on the show yourself to discuss with the Under the Silver Lake. Under the Silver. People keep telling me to watch that. Under the Silver Lake. That takes place in uh, in L.A., right? But people say it's just full of like mind control stuff. And I, right? Is that right? Yeah, totally. That's oh, yeah, totally. I think it's like one of the ultimate, you know, conspiracy movies of the last really? uh, wow. 10 years or so. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. I'll have to watch that. I'd be, definitely be interested. But again, the two proprietors of PSYOP Cinema are Thomas Millery and Brett Carallo, C-A-R-O-L-L-O-M-I-L-L-A-R-Y. And I'll put links to their other contact information in the show notes. So thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Thank you, William. Take care. Right. Take care. Thanks, William. Bye-bye. Stay there. Stay there.